0: Amen. Good morning. Good morning. And we welcome you here this morning. Can we once again give the Lord a round of applause? May we have a worship? Thank you, guys. You know, I love that line that we sing where it says, praise the one who would reach for me. And, I, you know, when you really reflect upon that and you, and you really think about, you know, how the Lord... You know, just comes to us and, you know, seeks us. And so thank you for being here. I don't take for granted anyone sitting in this room and those who are watching upon the screen. And I've shared it in the eight o'clock, and you've heard me share it before. It's not a coincidence, it's not random. We're here this morning. And I believe that God, you know, is honored by that and then He uses that. So however you got here, praise God that you're here. Can I get an amen? Amen. And we're here today worshiping the Lord. And as we open God's word, you see these passages of joy being full and peace because we understand that all that is based in something that's already finished. It's in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's what we celebrate, that's what we sing. Take your Bibles with me, if you would, this morning and go with me to 1 John, praying for our groups. I know many of our groups are starting this morning, starting this week. Excited for that. we got a new members class coming up, not this Wednesday, but next. And so if you want to come and find more information about our church, we'd love to have you in that. We're in our second week of 1 John, and we're working through verse by verse of this amazing letter written by the last standing apostle. Again, last week we talked a little about, about this context, that John is the last of the disciples. History tells us he's the only one who was not put to death for his faith. Now, we know that he was exiled. We know that he was persecuted. History tells us that. But the context of this book is being written probably in his 80s. You know, this is now 50 years removed from the time when Jesus died and rose again. And so we have the book of 1 John. I mean, we have the Gospel of John somewhere written in 85. And then we have these three letters first, second, third, John, probably written somewhere in 90. And then we know that he was exiled to the Isle of Patmos, where God gave him the vision where he wrote the book of Revelation. And so we know that he's responsible for five books in the New Testament. We talked about this last week, this, I think history gives the wrong impression of the apostle John. You always have this picture of like this weak figured man, like this doughy eyed and pale face. And, and if you study scripture, that's not this dude. Like the, 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 Jesus described him as a son of thunder. Like he had an attitude, like, like this was a black and white guy. This was no, like, like, this was a guy that I believe was abrasive. And I believe what you find in his life is as he grew in the Lord, the love grew. How could it not? That must be the process of sanctification that as we grow in Christ, the love of Christ grows in us. And so here he is writing these books, we know, to the seven churches of Asia Minor, probably writing in Ephesus, modern-day Turkey. That's where he's doing his ministry now. History tells us he was exiled to of Patmos. That Roman emperor died, actually was assassinated. He comes back, and history tells us he died as an old man into Ephesus. Think about this, John, who was the only one at the cross? John. Where were the rest of the disciples? Here was John. If you think about one of the intimates of Jesus, the transfiguration, who was there? That was John. Like you think about like John and James, right? The the, the mom who's helping them argue about what seat at the table, right? This is John. This is the one who walked through the village and did not believe that Jesus got the reception that he deserved. And so he looks at Jesus and said, should we cry to the heavens and have fire come down upon this community and wipe out all these men, women, and children? This is John that we're talking about. This is our Christ following John. And you see this process of what Christ has done in his life. And so what we're going to find in this book, as we talked about last week, certainties. He wants us to know, to know, to know, 36 times, to know, to know theologically how we are saved. That's Jesus. To know, morally speaking, how we are to live, that our actions should reflect not just what we say, but our walk. So he speaks of that. Then he speaks of the third category, which again, I would believe was very personal to him. And it shows the process of sanctification. He speaks of love. And really he gives the test. He writes this letter because there were so many false gospels that were out there. And he was like, listen, you want to authenticate your faith. You know, Gauge it by this. Go into these three categories. And if you're in these three categories, then you know what, There's a test of your faith. It's in Christ. It's in the way I walk. It's in the way I love. Take your Bibles if you wouldn't stand with me in reverence of reading God's word. You guys ready this morning? Y'all ready? I don't care if you are or not. We coming. Here we go. This is a black and white dude. And again, we're talking about in a time in the context where there was a lot of stuff floating around. Jesus wasn't a real person. you know; th- th- He was just a spirit floating around. Here's the last eyewitness. He's not writing from someone else's account. This is the last dude standing that Saul heard, as we saw last week, investigated and touched. And so he said it starts with Jesus. So we talked about that. But now look at where he goes today immediately from the foundation of Christ, he goes to the starting point. And it's the starting point for every single person that before you can come to the gospel and be captivated by grace and mercy, you got to start here. You can't stick, skip this part. Look at what he says. First John chapter one. Let's just read down to verse five. I mean, I'm sorry, let's beginning verse five. I'm going to read into verse, or chapter two, the first two verses. Look what he says. So he's already said, right, that here's the gospel. I've seen him, I've touched him, I've investigated him, right? Here's the gospel. It's Christ, that your joy may be full. And then he says this, this is the message, which we have heard from him, Jesus, and now declare it to you. That God is light. Notice that word. I believe anytime you see the word light, you can also substitute life. And we'll talk about that. That God is light, life, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say, notice that phrase, if we, it follows all the way through, but it's not a conditional phrase. As we get to 1 John 1, 9, we'll explain that too. Stop getting me ahead of myself. Let's just read scripture. Let's just read. We're standing. All right, here we go. I'm saying what you're thinking. Here we go. I was going to preach with y'all standing. This is kind of cool. I'm just going to preach with y'all standing all morning. You can't get distracted at that point because I see you. All right, here we go. Notice the if we. Three categories, six, eight, and 10, three categories. Here's the sayers. Seven and nine are the walkers. So he's saying, I'm writing the letter. You want to know if you're a follower of Christ? You want to know if this is true? Here's the the sayers in these three, verse 6, verse 8, verse 10. Here's the doers in verse 7 and 9. All right, I'm sorry. Here we go, here we go, here we go. If we say, where are we at? (laughs) If you're a guest this morning, I'm so glad you're here. (laughs) This is who we are, bro. We're all broken vessels. Here we go. This is the message which we have heard, direct, witness, declare to you, God is light, and in him is no darkness all. If we say that we have fellowship with him, if the light and the life of God is working in us, partnership, we talked about that word, coin in the EO, gotta stop. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from, from, from? Just sin. Not just sin, say it with me, people. Oh. Come on now, come on now, come on now. If we say, verse eight, that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. So now we're not just lying to y'all. Now I'm lying to myself. We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, third category, now we make him a liar. So I'm lying to you, verse six, I'm lying to myself, verse eight. Now I'm making God a liar, verse 10. There's a progression here. He's not just repeating himself. Verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Here's the transition to verse one and two. It all sets the stage for my little children. Like what affection right there. He's like, yo, here's your problem, but here's the solution. These things I write to you so that you may not sin, but he knows they are. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. The only time you find that title in the New Testament. And he himself, notice this word, propitiation is the atonement, the payment. He's the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. We could drop this. I'm not going to drop the Bible. We could drop the Bible and just be like, all right, go home. See you later. Peace. Because God's word speaks all that it needs to. Let's go to the Lord in prayer because we're not going to do that. Our heavenly father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. Thank you for truth. And we know that that's the heart of John, that everything that John writes is truth. We know that because he walked with truth, manifested Jesus, the word. We know that. So Lord, this morning we pray for this starting point, not compared to others, but to see ourselves in you and then to be captivated when we truly see ourselves before a perfect, holy, and righteous God, that someone would die for us in our place, may we see that today in a way we never have. To the glory and praise of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. amen, you may be seated. The starting point is sin. The starting point is sin, and it, and it may not be one of the things that we like to talk about or are popular in the church, blah, 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 blah. If you don't start with your own personal gunk, you miss the gospel. You got to start here, and it's an inside look, right? It's understanding that Romans three twenty three for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If you're in that category, let me say Amen. So John is countering some things here. There's three categories here and there was all these different things floating. There were those in verse six who said, yeah, I sin, but that's my physical body. And there's a separation between the spiritual and the physical. I can't control the physical. So the physical can just sin all of it wants because it's inherently evil, but I'm spiritual up here because I'm enlightened by intellectual knowledge of God. And John is saying, you're a liar. You confess and you're a liar. That's the first category. They separate their sins and almost kind of see their sins as righteousness a little bit in a weird way. The second category says this, no, I admit sin, but I don't sin no more. That's verse eight. Now he says, you're making yourself a liar. Then you come to verse 10 and we're going to get here. This is the one that says, sin, I've never even sinned. And in verse 10, it says, now you make who a liar? God a liar. You know, one of the first mission trips I went on to Argentina, I was sharing this at the eight o'clock, I remember the, the national that was with us, she was explaining that, hey, you know, in our culture, you know, many people think when they think of sin, like murder, or rape, or someone who's in jail, and, and so understand that when you say a sinner, they don't find themselves in that category, and I found that so interesting, because anytime we would share the gospel, like, we really had to work through that, like, like if you don't recognize your need for Jesus, you never come to Jesus, If you don't see your own stuff and the hopelessness of standing before a pure, righteous God in your own mess, then you don't need Jesus. So that's the starting point. And I remember talking to them, and we were talking to a young lady, and she was like, I asked her, you know, if you die, you go to heaven. She was like, yeah, I'm going to go to heaven. I said, why? Because I'm a good person. You ever heard that before? All right, so let's talk about that. Have you ever lied before? And I'm like, yo, I'm putting myself in every category here with you. Like, I'm not trying to play this preacher card with you. Have you ever lied before? She's like, Yeah. Have you ever stolen anything? She's like, you mean today? I'm like, no, just yeah. You know, you're a klepto. So now you, I know you're a sinner. Yeah, no, I'll, for you know. I said, so by your own admission, you're a liar. You're a cheater. You're a thief. By your own admission. And so, if there is a God and He's perfect and He's holy and righteous, whoa, 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 there's a problem. And so John says, if you don't understand the problem, you can't get to Jesus. And there were so many people, again, trying to substitute Jesus. They were trying to substitute religion and ordinances and this intellectual knowledge. And he brings it down to the core of it. And he says, no, the gospel is recognizing that you are a sinner and what you truly deserve is hell. And that sets you up for grace. That sets you up for mercy. That sets you up now to be captivated and changed by the one who would die in your place. Can I get an amen? So look at where he starts, verse six. He's already laid the foundation of the gospel, one through four. It's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He wants us to know. And the first thing he wants us to know, first four verses, Jesus It's a person, not a religion. I saw him, I heard him, I investigated him, I touched him, I was there. The last standing witness, of an apostle of Christ. But notice where he starts now when he goes into the subject of sin, look at his starting point in verse five. This is the message, the gospel message, which we have heard from him. Again, what does he affirm No new message. We saw this last week. There was a lot of new stuff floating around. And he was like, no, no new message. The message from Jesus is what we declare. And he says, that this is the message we have heard from him. Now we declare it to you. Hear this, that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. Again, we could spend weeks taking passages of scripture and trying to dissect that word life, that, that God is light. And just for the sake of time, again, at the beginning, I was trying to share with you synonymously, I think you can put life in there. That he is the origin of light. He is the origin of life. And that fellowship that he speaks of here, that koinonia, that if you're in partnership, and again, we know this is the miracle of the Lord, that when a sinner admits their sins, confesses their sins, repents from their sins, and turns to a person, Jesus, who died for their sins and rose again, the greatest miracle of all takes place the Holy Spirit of God indwells us. Can I get an amen? That's a mystery I stand before you. I don't understand. But he affirms it all day long. And so what John is saying is this, let's start with him. Because in him is light and there is no darkness at all. So he deals with the holiness of God first. That before we can talk about sin, our sin, you gotta deal with God first. Because that's the starting part. His perfection, his righteousness, what he demands in order for us to enter into his heaven. So look at what he says, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Now think about this. When the Bible speaks of light, it can kind of go in two different directions. When the Bible talks about walking in the light, it could mean walking in what? Truth. Paul says, walk in the light. What does that mean? Don't walk in darkness, walk in what the Holy Spirit has shown the light on to be true. But it can also mean purity. When the Bible says walk in the light, it could mean walk in God's word, but it also could mean walk in righteousness, walk in holiness. Well, think about that now. The origin of them both, truth, holiness, coming from God, the life, right? The light coming from God. And so he says, if you're a partnership in that, if you're fellowship in that, it's going to shine. It's going to shine. So it's not what you say. Look at this, verse six. If we say we have koinonia, partnership with God, and yet still walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Now, what you're going to see in verse six, eight and nine truth are six, eight and 10, truth is always attached. So when he deals with the deception, what calls out the deception? The word of God, truth. And so in all three of these verses, I want you to notice how they end. But look at what he says in verse six. If we say we have fellowship, if we say that God lives within us, if we say that his light is shining and dwelling in us, and yet still we're walking in darkness, we lie. So here's this picture. Back then, what is he countering? This dualism idea. That I can't control my physical body. It's going to go sin and it's wretched and it's gross. But guess what? That's separated. I'm separated from that because I'm over here in my mind and I have this relationship with God. And he was like, you're a liar. That's what he says. That there's no separation. It doesn't matter what you say. Hear me this morning. Praise God for those who have professed Christ by mouth. But it's how you walk. It's how you walk. And here's John saying, man, you guys are saying all these things, but your actions ain't lining up. You're saying you have light in the life of God, and yet you're dwelling and living in darkness and pursuing darkness. He says, I call you out. And then look at what he says in verse 8. We'll skip 7 and come back. We're going to go 6, 8, 10, a little bit different, and then we'll plug in 7 and 9. Verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and now there's the attachment, and the truth is not in us. Again, he's countering this category of those who say, yes, yeah, sin, I recognize it. I did it, but I don't do it no more. Look what he says in verse 10. If we say we have not sinned, now let's go another layer. Not only am I lying here, not only am I lying here, now I'm lying here. If we say that we have not sinned, now we make God a liar, because God's the one who called us out as a sinner. If we say we're okay, we're a good person, now we're calling him a liar. And here's the attachment, for his word is not in us. As you study scripture, what do you find? That confession is a part of the life of the believer. If you believe that, say amen, amen. And it's not that we're seeking more forgiveness. The moment you come to Christ and profess Jesus as your Savior and you repent of your sins, justification, the blood of Jesus covers you. Past, present, future, all your sins. And John, make sure we know that. Can I get an amen? Amen. So we're not living each day going, man, I hope God forgives me for this. And I hope God for you're forgiven in perfected way that we cannot understand. However, as we live our lives, we get our feet dirty. Can I get an Amen. We get our feet dirty, and we have to constantly come before the Lord, and that's part of the sanctification process. So this confessing is not justification. Justification is the moment someone comes to faith in Christ, and I pray that might be here today. That may be why God brought you here today, to see your stuff in light of him and to see Jesus. That begins there. At that moment, all your sins are covered, past, present, future. The Holy Spirit now indwells you, and now what? Truth and purity, truth and purity, that's what's being sought out. And so as I'm walking in God's word and truth, it's leading me to purity, that now I'm confessing, not for justification, but for sanctification. My confession now is a part of my life. As a believer, that's the rhythm, right? Lord, keep me clean. Like, like go, go, you found some amazing confessions in Scripture. Psalm 52 is the confession of who? David. David. He confesses murder. He confesses adultery. And you know what he says at the end of that? He sinned against Bathsheba. He sinned against Uriah. He has sinned against his whole nation. But ultimately, do you remember what he says? Altogether, Lord, I sinned against you. He knew the Lord. He was a believer, but he came to a place of confession where sin entered back into his life. And so now it leads us to the seven and nine. Those are the sayers. James talks about that. You say, you say, you say. Look at verse seven and verse nine. But if we, say the word, if we, if we, what this means is your rhythm of life. Doesn't just mean walking here. It means your pattern. If you're pursuing, what are you pursuing? What are you seeking? So if we walk in the light, right, if he's in us, Truth and purity, right, that, that should be drawing us to those two things. He is like we have koinonia with one another, fellowship, and I love this. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. I love that because of what he says in verse 9. Go to verse 9 now. Here's a passage that many of you memorized years ago. Say it with me. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and to forgive us of our sins and to from all unrighteousness. And again, you can look at that verse and sometimes it can be confusing because it can sometimes come across as a conditional promise if we confess. And some people have taken that run with it. Like some people say, no, if you're not constantly clean before the Lord, if you die in that moment, man, you're going to hell. What? What? Baloney, Greek word, can I just say that? That's why, that's why John says, no, 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 no. It's covered it all. But we got to be in a rhythm of confession in our process of sanctification. Every day as a child of God, what are we doing? Lord, Lord seek me, right? It? David, seek me. Search me. Truth and purity, right? Is, is that pulling you? Are, are you walking in those two lanes? Are you in darkness? Here's John categorizing it, right? What dominates our lives? Only you can answer. So you can say, 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 and come, come, come. Where are you walking? Where are your pursuits? What drives you? What gets you motivated and passionate in the morning? John said, hey, here are the sayers, but as James said, it's about the doers. Are we walking in it? Can we wake up each morning and say, Lord, I'm captivated that as a wretched sinner, I am even allowed to come before your presence. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your blood. Lead me in truth and purity. And I get it. Life is hard, man. I get it. That's what it comes down to, is each day, right, that process of sanctification, as I'm confessing and turning and confessing and turning, is to make me more like Jesus. It's not to save me. I've already been saved perfectly by his love. We see that in John 13. Do you remember John 13? We just came out of that. I won't have you go there, but in John 13 in the upper room, if you remember, we just came through the upper room discourse, that amazing chapter where Jesus washes the feet of the disciples. Do you remember that? And he comes to Peter, and Peter always has something to say, which I love Peter, love Peter. And he says, Jesus, you ain't watching me. He recognized I'm clean, I'm dirty, you're clean. I've watched you, I've seen you, you have no sin at all. You've watched me, you've seen me, I have sin. How dare you? Don't wash me. And what does Jesus say? If I don't wash you, you're not a part of me. But you don't need to be fully washed, just your feet. So it's this picture, right, that, that in ancient times you would gather for a social gathering. You've already fully washed. You don't need to fully wash again. But before you enter in, you must wash your feet. And so that's First 1 John 1, 1.9. 1 First John 1, 1.9 is, is that a true believer will live in that life. A true believer will live in a life of confession. A true believer will, will not just try to hide their sins and run from their sins, but say, God, I see it homo legale, as you do. And listen, that's a, that's, that's a grind, man, but if you're opening God's word and seeking God's word and seeking purity, the Holy Spirit's not gonna let you miss his voice. You may downplay it, push it away, Been there. And what an amazing gospel of grace. Look at verse one of chapter two, love this. My little children, I write to you. And you see now a heart I believe of a shepherd of a pastor and he says, listen, this is the truth about Jesus. This is the truth about sin. Now, this is how it plays out. These things I write to you that you may not sin, that you may be sanctified, that you may become more holy, right? right? That you may pursue that righteousness. But if you do, and you will, we have a representative, an advocate. Hear that this morning. See that this morning. If you don't know Jesus... I pray you see Jesus standing before a holy God, the Father, and saying, hey, I'll take it for him. In just a moment, we're going to gather around the table, and that's the picture. The picture is that, what, I deserve that. I know who I am. Y'all know who y'all are. Let's not fake the funk. We know who we are. And when we stand before a holy and righteous God, we are in trouble. Can I get an Amen. That sets you up for grace. It sets you up for mercy. It's the bad news that leads you to the good news. I am wretched. I am hopeless, but my hope is in Jesus. And it's a person here. And the advocate, right, that steps in and says, hey, hey, I'll, I'll take it for him. Those stripes, those whips that they deserve, I'll take it for them. Verse two. And he himself alone. I love that. just bring it all down to that. You can say you don't have sin. You can say you used to sin. You can say, what is sin? Here it is. He alone is the atonement, the debt paid for our sins. Not only for ours, but for the whole world. I think of John 3, 16 right there, right? For God so loved the That he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever shall not perish but have. John says this is what it comes down to. But you can't get there until you get here. And when you truly allow the Lord to shine the light on that, not compared to someone beside you, shine the light for him. Would you not just be captivated? that Your God would die for you so that you might dwell with him forever. With every head bowed and every eye closed. As we lead in this time of communion, we're gonna gather around the table and it's a beautiful picture. Coming off of John 13 through 17 in that upper room of Jesus, really transitioning the Passover meal. You know, the celebration of the Passover, of the physical deliverance Of Israel, but now this picture of a spiritual deliverance. That now He's ordaining something that we do to reflect upon how He delivered us from what we just talked about our sins. So hear me, man. If you're here today and you've never taken this step towards Christ, I pray you hear the love first. In spite of us, right? We took our place. If you're here this morning and you've never professed Him by faith, man, I pray that right now in your heart it is beating fast and the Lord is stirring you. I pray that because I've been there. And in this moment, I pray, audience of one, if you're here this morning, maybe for the first time, you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Christ died for your sins. So even right where you're sitting, the Bible says you can cry out and say, Lord, I believe in you, Jesus. I recognize my sins. And by faith, I call upon you as a savior. And I ask you to be the king of my life, to lead my life. That's huge. Deny myself, take up my cross and follow you. Man, if you're here this morning, you've done that again. I say this all the time, share that with someone. Our response team, one of us as leaders, share that with someone. Cause now we're in the journey to believers here. As we gather around the Lord's table, here's a place of confession. Here's a pace of past of reflecting upon the finished work, the body, the bread broken for my sins, the cup, the blood that was shed. But in the present moment, what does Paul say? Take account. Do not take it in an unworthy manner. This is a moment to come before the Lord and say what David said, search me. Confessing as I grow in the Lord, not for salvation, but for sanctification. And we know that all this points to what Jesus said. Do this until I return. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and Lord, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you for the good news. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that as sinners, hopeless, standing before you, that a savior came. We thank you for that. That the one who created this universe came into his own and entered into time and space, hard for us to wrap our minds for the purpose of dying. To give us hope as sinners. Thank you. So Lord, this morning, as we gather around your table, Lord, we reflect upon the finished work in remembrance of Christ, his body, his blood. Lord, in this present moment, may you search us, shine the light in the areas that do not point to you. May we confess it and know that you are faithful and just to forgive us for our sins. And Lord, we know that all of this points to the day our Savior will return. Not as a slave, but as a king. And we celebrate that this morning in the name of Jesus and all of God's people said, amen. If you would take the cup at this moment. Again, that picture of the upper room of Jesus gathering with them. And he said to them, right, you don't understand all this yet. Like, I love that. We don't always get it in the moment. But he says, you will. And now here we are 2,000 years later as believers. gathering around an ordinance that represents a person everything about this is a person and i want you just to picture jesus in that upper room with those disciples on the heels of the cross getting ready to be beaten beyond recognition is what the bible says these knuckleheads still didn't get it he's loving them in that moment in a way that i pray you see the way he loves us and he gives this physical picture of the bread Isaiah said, by his wounds, we are healed. Those who eat of this bread shall have eternal life. The Bible says in like manner, he took the cup. And obviously we could spend so much time here just even speaking on the reference of the cup, the wrath of a holy God. Just think every sin In the history of mankind, up until that point, think about it, laid upon one person. And there he is crying out, Father, forgive me. I know not what they do. Those who take of this cup shall have eternal life. I invite you to stand right where you are, if you would. We're going to leave in a little bit of a different way, just, want a light, sweet, just kind of more in a reverent way, again, just kind of reflecting again on what Christ has done for us. And I pray this morning, thank you again for being here. If you're a guest, please come back. I'll be better, I promise. Please come back. <laughs> just kidding. We just want you to hear Jesus and see Jesus. Kind of get an amen. And as we walk each day, right, truth and purity, that's God's word, that's God's Holy Spirit, that's how he does it, right? That if you're seeking truth, he'll show you truth. If you're seeking purity, he'll show you the places where you're not pure. And so the question is this, what are we seeking? That's the question. Take this week. Where are our desires and our pursuits? How was it in the Lord? God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday. Be nice in the parking lot.